Out in the West Texas town of El Paso, I fell in love with a Mexican girl. Nighttime would find me in roses. No, I'm the background. <laughs> Is that what that was? Yeah. Oh, dear. Let's give you some support. Blacker than night were the eyes of Felina. Wicked and evil while That's one of the best songs. That's one of the greatest songs of all time. Great track. Love, I love El Great Paso. Track. Marty Robbins. Gunfighter ballads and trail songs. Right? It's, uh, it's a sweet record. Like that... What do you think people thought of that record is at the, the time? Is the man who shot Liberty Valance on this one? Uh, that isn't. I don't. I don't know that. It's mm, good, strong. It's a movie. It's a, it's a John Wayne movie. Oh, I know. I yeah. definitely know. I just wasn't sure if it's on there. Uh, so it's not. I'm curious. It's not. Okay. okay. No. Uh well, this is episode. Uh, I guess we didn't even look at this yet. What is it? Seventy-seven. Seventy-seven. Episode seventy-seven. Hey, let's go. Cowboy shit with Ted and Wacy. I'm Ted. He's Wacy. What's up? <laughs> I always forget to do that part. And then I wonder if like people have started listening to the podcast and they're like, who are who these the f- guys? Who are these guys? We don't know who they are. They don't know which voice. Well, like, we're us. So we're okay. us. Uh, if you want to find us on the social medias, I'm Ted Stoven. He's Wacey Anderson. Stoven with an I. Anderson with a... O-N. O-N. Not a, it's not an E. Put out some good content here. Not Anderson. Wacey's uh, pretty good on the memes. He's He's got some I'm good the, meme I'm content. On the meme. I'm really... The memes my content. creative side starts flowing with the meme game. Yeah, the memes I'm turning are, into like a bit of a meme lord. <laughs> is that like a slum lord only like memes, yeah, it's memes, memes man i just got i got the memes you want the memes i got the lord. memes you want so like co- you want cod memes i'll make those <laughs> you want rodeo memes i'll make those you want regular memes i can make those too how many memes do you have to uh uh produce before you're a meme lord i wouldn't say it's, it's about quality <laughs> over pro- the amount you produce right yeah, i like that chance butterfield uh caught onto one of them finally the other day that was a good find, the one about the rodeos the, the with Trump. Trump one? Yeah, the IOUs. I, nothing against Trump. It was freaking hilarious. Oh, I he's that just, was he's like, so serious, and he's handing the guy the paper, yeah. and it just says IOU $125, <laughs> and the guy's just looking at it like, what the, what is he, what is and this? Like, don't, and like, and then if Trump's you just rodeoed, like, yeah, you have done, done that. that. Right. I don't care who you are. Either you've done that, or you've wrote a rubber, you wrote a rubber check. Or you don't even just like show, you just don't even pay your fees, you just like avoid the rodeo office at all, and like in in general and that's what you call rodeoing on credit thanks to the associations the best invention since whatever i don't know how that's a thing that so, some somewhere along the line a cowboy thought oh why don't we have why don't you pay your fees three to five weeks later that's great it's ro- it's rodeoing on credit it's like it's absurd that's why i like like always Ugh. the cash bull riding you show up there pay your 120 yeah, bucks and you get paid cash cash, cash money let's go but like whose idea was it to like have your entry fees paid like later some like guy on the board on who like who just was always broke but still win it had to be right yeah and then but it's run by the cowboys and they're like yeah well you can pay your fees later and then they have a hundred thousand dollar bill at the end of the year where they have to pay the cpra's money to pay the bills on the prize money because mm-hmm. yeah. they people are rodeoing on credit and then they never pay their fees but there's still people who are like, like blacklisted from what? the from the from the associations because they, <laughs> they still haven't paid their, their fees. Like, isn't like Josh Burks? Dude. Oh, I think he owes the CPA like twenty five hundred dollars. Yeah, never paid his fees. And I mean, like you can kind of take some of that out of the winnings, but if the guy never wins, then you never have the money. Like Burks, I don't know. Burks didn't have much success in the CPA. He didn't so. go very much. Yeah, and then he got fined up. He said, "Well, see you guys later." Well, he can go to those those bull rides and just win a ton of money and yeah, just cash. Who cares? Like I wonder. Maybe someday we should like shame some people on the show with like Ooh. go. Like, could you imagine a, a shame, reading? shame, <laughs> shame? Could you imagine a reading of the blacklist of the like oh, CPRA wow. someday? That could be bad. That could get us in some trouble. I'm pretty sure I'm blacklisted in the CCA. You are like you still owe them money. <laughs> I think so. Well, no, because like the year that I like got hurt a bunch, like I like went medical out. 
Yeah. But apparently I owe them like 200 bucks in medical out fees or something. I'm oh, like, really? I'm not doing I'm not gonna Office pay. fees. I'm not going to pay that to you guys. Man, that's uh, that's kind of funny, actually. I got hurt at the rodeo. I was like, I don't, I don't need, I'm not going to pay you 10 bucks because I got hurt. But you got to you gotta pay the office fees, man. I'm not going to do it. They, they got to pay the people to answer the phones. Just finish. They don't, man, one time I called the CCA office 105 times before I could fucking enter. So I don't know who you're talking about who they're paying to answer the phones because nobody <laughs> answers the fucking phone. And that's legit. I legit called the office. It was on my phone 105 times before I got through on entry day. Holy crap. I was pissed. I was livid. That's rough. And then I didn't even get my preferences. I was Ooh. top five in the CCA and I didn't even get my fucking preferences. Ooh. And then some guy who shows up and donates his fees... He's getting every fucking preference that he wants. Oh, dear. Man, I get heated about that. Wacy's, to this day. Wacy is fired up. He Can I talk about what grinds up. my gears? <laughs> Punk ass bitches like that getting their preference and not me. <laughs> Man, we're like, we're, we're, we're doing this show and our guest this week, like this show is Coulter Wall. And like, we kind of want his dad to like maybe share the podcast and hear you're saying punk right. ass bitches on the <laughs> podcast. It's going to be like, well, I don't know if the former premier of Saskatchewan can share content like this. Might be a little shady. We'll have to get nah, to that part It's a podcast platform. No rules. <laughs> we'll leave it up to uh, to our fearless editor, Sean Morton, to decide what I think it's. I think it's, I think it's cool. I think, it's, I think it's funny. I think it's reasonable. I think if anybody listened to it, they would understand and they would not be offended. But you don't know if a Karen or a Janice gets in and is like, Gets mad at us over something. Who knows? I don't, don't know. know. I feel like it's a legit complaint. You hit a rough spot for me. I'm sorry. I went off. <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologize. Pisses, I haven't entered a rodeo in like five years, and that still pisses me off. I found my old... Uh, well, you told me about going in my old gear bag and finding some old shorts to play hockey with. Perfect solution. It still Poor smelled like rodeo hey, in man. there. It nice little... smells greasy old rosin and nut gravy. <laughs> Jesus, man. <laughs> Jeez, man. <laughs> you went there. You really went there. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I actually uh, washed my stuff. I probably washed it before I even put it away. You washed it after every rodeo. No. Liar. Like, no. Not That's every right. time. That's right. But a few times. I wash mine all the time, but you still... <sighs> oh, man. Shit happens, dude. Oh, man. What are we going to talk about? I guess this week... Uh, I had a really cool question. Do you want to go there or do you want to go to this Let's week? do this first. Let's talk about the finals. Okay. Uh, Sas- uh, PBR Canadian finals moved from Saskatoon to Grand, Grand Prairie. Prairie. We're going to get the finals done this weekend. So today's the... the, the, the sh- this show goes out on the 4th of November. The finals start the 5th, 6th, 7th. Uh, three, like four separate events. So uh, Thursday and Friday and Saturday, they're, they're like single round events. Uh, well, not single round because Thursday and Friday, there's a short round, like a long round, short round. Then you go Saturday long round short or long round, and then uh, Saturday night is the fifteen guys top fifteen in the standings. After those first three days, makes the uh, oh so like the, the Thursday th- Friday won't count to the there's no average for those. It's just a separate event, separate event, so that they can get a bunch of points in and, and events in for before the the oh, final okay. event on Saturday night in Grand Prairie. Saturday night is the finals. And the, and this time the championship round is a separate event that's going to crown our champion. So that that round is like another separate event that pays five like it's a $5,000 event. They're paying 275 on the week and then you've got uh, a bonus isn't there for the $20,000 bonus for the champion. Wow, and that's it's basically really cool. anybody's game. Anybody that's there can can basically win. So it. and then it's the top 25 in the current standings that current I get to standings. go to GP. No, yeah, get to go to GP, but then the top 25 or top 15 make it to the Saturday through that week showdown. get to the Saturday night showdown. Even if you didn't stay on a bowl that whole week. Your top fifteen, you're uh, you're getting into that. Nice, that's cool. Deal. I like so that. We kind of a different deal. 
great to get to crown a champion. One of the only the only Western sport in Canada that's going to crown a champion this year. Basically, PBR Canada. It's the only Western sport at events and. Yeah, nobody else really had anything, right? Yeah. You don't have you don't have CPRA champions. They're gonna have they're gonna have a year that's just blanked out. So we still have a champion this year. We got a twenty thousand dollars bonus to the champion. So that's pretty sick. PBR leading the way once again. Huge um, predictions. Who you got? Dakota. Dakota. Well, that's who I was. You can't put the same guy. You asked me first, man. Okay, fine. He's my friend. I like Dakota too. I hope he wins it, especially after last year. But I mean, with how many times Brock has been second, he could definitely come and win. Man, it too. I, I think anybody in that top five is definitely a threat. Yeah, but, I but think then you got you're missing a guy like Parsonage because he already went and got hernia surgery, so he's out. So yeah, I think I think and then a guy like Dakota, I think he is just made of that pedigree where he had that failure last season, and he's just going to come in laser focused and not. I would like, man if if he won out the weekend, well, I wouldn't be surprised, be surprised at all. Yeah. No, like that's just how good he is. So man, you know who else could do to could really go win this thing is Garrett Green. He and could come out. He could be like the dark horse, horse eh? and he's always the guy that after like a lot, like after like an off season or like a long break, he comes back like super yeah, hot in the spring, right? Yeah, and so this is kind of like a new spring. Yeah, almost. yeah, yeah. Uh, a, Zane Lambert is not far off again this year. Would he? Uh, that be his fourth? Sixty-eight. No, it would be third. third. He's okay. got two. So you tie Aaron Roy. Aaron Roy is in eighth, and he would be. Uh, Aaron Roy is an eighth, and he's and that's another guy chance. who like always drives us to, to the occasion. Like that was yeah. like remember last year Saskatoon didn't he go like three for four or four for four or something like that? I think he won the finals. Yeah, event. yeah. So I mean, you can never. Tanner in tenth. He's uh, there's no rookie of the year award this year, but uh, they will be able to compete next year for the rookie of the year. But still, first year he's number wouldn't, ten. Wouldn't Ty be the Ty Ellis year? is also yeah. in it? Yeah, he's number seven. What else? Yeah, pretty. It should be, uh, be good, man. It'll be good to have some event like have something and going very on. Very Canadian this year. Good Canadian flavor. Right? Very Canadian. Flavor, flavor. Jordan Hansen, Lonnie West, Jake Gardner. Another guy you can't count out either is, is Jordan. Yeah. Like he's he's, he's a stud. Yeah. Should do so well this week. So it'll um, be good to see. I think I think what's going to show, like, come to the top is the guys who have been, like, doing the on work the outside yeah. of it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's where you're going to really see the cream rise to the top, I think. Yeah. You'll exactly. Because you, like, well, you, like, Lethbridger, wasn't it? Like, you've seen the rust on some guys who weren't actually putting in the word. They're just kind of hanging yeah. out. Or they're team roping. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, legit, though. Like, just giving you a hard time, Jay. <laughs> but it's, it's legit. It's a legit thing. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Yeah. It'll be fun for you guys, too, to get oh, to. Oh, I'm looking forward to being back. Yeah. Might be my last one for a while. I mean, mm-hmm. probably won't get to go to anything till next year. So, it's probably one of the last ones of the year. Yeah. I mean, unless something happens at New Year's. Tanner Burns talking about having a couple of events. He had to cancel one pretty recently, but might get to go to a couple more of those. Oh, but it depends if Sask could shut down or not. Yeah, we'll see. They're in rough shape out there. We'll see. That's where no better, but whatever. But uh, thanks for listening. This, again, is episode number 77 of Cowboy Shit. It's the Ray Bork episode. Cowboy Shit. Thanks for uh, thanks for listening. I'm Ted. He's Wacy. This is Cowboy Shit. Colter Wall is coming up next. Like they did in days gone by Good slap fence and common sense Are there in short supply The iron still hits the fire Ropes thrown straight and true our next guest has become one of the most sought-after country acts over the last three years, and he has recently just released his third album, Western Swings and Waltzes, and other punchy songs. 
His songs have been featured on shows such as Hell or High Water and Dog the Bounty Hunter. He also boasts over 1.5 million monthly streamers on Spotify. The pride of Swift Current Saskatchewan, welcome to the Cowboy Shit Podcast, Coulter Wall. It should be noted, too, that he's not the biggest fan of IPAs. I've learned that over the <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. So, uh, so tell us where you are first, Coulter. What, uh, where you are, what you've been doing the last little while, and, uh, and how things have been going over uh, quarantine. Well, I'm, right now I'm kicking it around in, in Arizona. It's uh, one of my favorite states uh, to visit down south. And um, I don't know, I kind of just come out of here on a whim mostly just because I, I haven't had any, I haven't had any, I haven't had any work <laughs> in, uh, since all this started. So I've kind of been trying to travel around and see some friends and stuff. And, uh, so just Arizona for now, but yeah, just, just passing the time trying to figure out when we're going to be able to turn up again and all that. The uh, one thing you've been able to do that you, you probably don't get to do a lot. And it kind of, I was actually texting Corb last night, trying to get some more info on you before the show. <laughs> And he, I asked him what you, what his favorite tune was, and he, he said he liked the hula hands at the Holiday Inn because it's kind yeah. of about being bored and being on the you know being on the road and being bored and not getting to do much actual cowboy shit. But you've actually got to do a lot of the actual cowboy shit while uh, this quarantine's been going on. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm I'm blessed to have uh, some friends down here uh, stateside that some some cowboy buddies of mine that uh, you know they're, they're happy to have me sort of come out and pretend to be a hand for you know, a few months at a time. So uh, that's been the, the silver lining is that I, you know, had more time than I would usually we're on the road so much. So I've had more time to kind of, kind of, uh, you know, help around and, and, uh, and learn a thing or two, or at least try, you know, that's, it's, it's not something you get to do a lot though, right? Like your, your business is music. So getting to go and, and, and work on the ranch and, and do that kind of thing. It's not something you get to do a lot. So it's probably been a nice welcome change honestly in the in the bit of a break eh yeah well you know it's something that i i gripe about a lot um when we when we do have gigs and when, when i am on the road so you can't really you can't cut it right you kind of have to just take advantage of, of whatever the situation might be and right now it's, the situation is i don't have any shows and it doesn't look like i'm gonna have any probably at least until next year so so it's been nice to try to just to get to uh you know make the best of that time like i said i i I'm, i have a hard time just sitting around on my butt all day so I, i'm i'm happy to have some kind of work to do and you know i think it's good for writing too i've been i've been working on that try to because you know, i can't i'm not the kind of guy either that can write without much inspiration so i it's been good to, to sort of just freeze up the mind i feel like it puts me in a pretty good state where Maybe I can have some decent ideas pop in my head for a song or something like that. Do you draw a lot of uh, inspiration out of like doing like that, like for lack of a better term, that cowboy shit, like being out, like moving cows or whatever that may be? Does that help you in that process? Well, I think it's, um, I think it's pretty important, you know, if you're going to write about anything to know. People always say write about what you know, and, and I couldn't. It'd be tough to do any kind of cowboy stuff without. Uh, really having that background knowledge, you know, or, or having some kind of experience. Your uh, your voice is very very unique compared to anyone else in the business, and um, I've got to ask how many how many darts did you have to smoke at <laughs> the Swift Current Comprehensive <laughs> High School to be able to get it that raspy by your early twenties? <laughs> did you do oh, that on break uh, during you know, at school, or how did you do that? <laughs> 
No, I mean, I've, I've, I've been a smoker, but I didn't really start until, oh, I probably, probably right after I graduated high school is whenever I started smoking. And, and I really didn't smoke too much. It wasn't until I got to start playing gigs in the States and I realized how cheap cigarettes are down here that I started <laughs> to smoke more. But uh, I've kind of cut back a little bit. I, I try not to too much. People say it's bad for your voice, but uh, I, I don't know. I haven't really experienced that yet. I guess we'll see what happens in the next few years here. Um, I kind of want to go back to the beginning of your career. Like, what kind of artists and like and that kind of stuff shaped like kind of what, the direction you wanted to head with your career? Well, it was kind of a. It was funny because you know I grew up listening to a lot of guys that I would probably reference as you know uh, influences and my favorites uh, just growing up because that's what my folks like to listen to and that's what most people around so current pretty like I would imagine pretty uh, familiar with country music. In that part of the province there, but um, as a kid growing up, I kind of was, was whenever I first started to pick up a guitar, I kind of was more leaning towards the rock and roll stuff because I, I started learning on an electric guitar and I wanted to, I pretty much wanted to be Angus Young, you know, I've just learned all the ACDC licks and uh, Zeppelin and Black Sabbath, which I, I still love all that stuff too, but um it wasn't until later, kind of later on, that I started to sort of go come full circle back to uh, this country stuff that I'd grown up listening to, and and uh, and you know I, I kind of I like to listen to a lot of different stuff. I, I sort of I'm the kind of guy that uh, I, it's not enough just to hear one song off a record and I just listen to that. I kind of I like to hear the whole thing and then also find out all the information about okay well who's playing on what and why did they do this and uh you know who are the, the person i'm listening to who are their influences and who should i be listening to that influence them you know so i'm def- definitely guilty of kind of nerding out about it going down the rabbit hole anytime i find an artist i like or a band i like so i kind of uh i don't know it's just you kind of just get insatiable about uh about music when when it's something I really am drawn to uh, I kind of end up going down a rabbit hole and usually that sort of turns you on to some other guys that you maybe wouldn't have heard of otherwise who who are you listening to right now who are your current influences I, I'm I'm curious about that right now oh man well it's uh, I could go on for a long time it's a long <laughs> list but um, so I've been listening to a lot of uh, Hoyt Axton who's a guy that not many people know of and I've been familiar with him for uh, familiar with uh, his stuff for a while, but uh, kind of recently went back down that rabbit hole. He he wrote some great songs. Uh, uh, he wrote the the pusher that people, most people don't know because they haven't heard his version. But he wrote that and Dell and the Dealer and songs like that. Um, what else we got on here? Some Tom Russell. Oh, and tr- Joy uh, to the World too, eh? Three Dog Night yeah, song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeremiah was Bullfrog, that whole deal. He wrote some great stuff. Um, Tom Russell, who wrote some great songs. Uh, Tonight We Ride. I love that one. That's one of my favorite ones. Cor- Corb was talking about a, a Sangria mix of his, too, that was quite potent. We had to go with it in Lethbridge oh, yeah. and got pretty messed up. I was hungover for like three days. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Corb and I definitely share a lot of heroes for sure. Um, just looking on here, I got um, my buddy Doug Moreland, who um, who's also I think friends with Corb. He's a West Texas guy, uh, fiddle playing, singing guy. Uh, 
he put out a great record a few years ago. I think, I guess it maybe it would have been about five years ago. He put out a record called Bring Back the Swing, which is a real good, really good record. I've been listening to that one a lot. Um, Corb's new record, of course. I've been listening, I've been spending that one since it came out. Oh, yeah. Uh, That's a good one. And, you know, some other stuff on here. There's always, there's always some kind of staples that are always in there in the mix, like Haggard, of course, and uh, Roger Miller. I'm a big, big Roger Miller fan. Um, I really like uh, Jerry Lee Lewis's country records are really good. I know everybody knows him from, you know, Great Balls of Fire and kind of the rock and roll stuff. And, um, you know, that sort of deal, lighting the piano on fire and all that stuff. But, man, he put out some really cool uh, country albums, Jerry Lee did. Uh, around the sixties, he put out some really good country records, but yeah, there's all, I mean, I could go on forever. There's all kinds of stuff. Um, I'm just constantly looking for, for new, new records or a lot of times they're older records that I just are kind of more obscure that maybe I haven't really got around to hearing or sometimes it's new stuff, but more often than not, it's something that came out a long time ago that I just wasn't aware of. I'm always looking for that kind of stuff. And, and a lot of that stuff, I know I'm a big fan of like uh, like Marty Robbins from like way back when you get, you know, El Paso and Big Iron. Like I, I love that you have Big yeah. Iron on your new record because that stuff's from like, I don't know even when it's from. It's from the 50s, isn't it? Maybe the 60s. Yeah, he did a lot of it, a lot of it in the 60s. As far as like the gunfighter ballad stuff, he did a lot of that in the 60s. But uh, I'm a huge fan of those records. Um, I'm a huge fan of a lot of stuff. He, Marty kind of, he had a, a real interesting career, you know, he... He's probably most well-known for doing them cowboy songs, but he also did some kind of what at the time would have been sort of like pop standards, and he did some pretty straight-ahead country stuff. And and then I guess he was a... I think he was a stock car driver after after <laughs> he quit music for a little bit. He just had... He was kind of a wild guy. But, um, yeah, I've been a big fan of his for a long time, and just the way he sings and uh, the way those... The, all them... Uh, cowboy records he did the way they sound they're just I think they're really really well produced and, and well done uh, he, he always would have um, there's a guy that played guitar on pretty much all of his records and also I mean he played guitar on a lot of records a lot of big records out of Nashville his name was Grady Martin and he was this great big dude who was probably at the time considered the best studio guitar player in Nashville and I'm a big fan of his all those kind of neat little, uh, almost some of them kind of sound Spanish and some of them are more jazzy, but all the crazy little guitar licks that you hear in those, like in, in Big Iron and uh, El Paso and all the songs, that's all Grady Martin. So it was really important to myself and, and the band to kind of uh, emulate his style of, of lead playing uh, when we did Big Iron in the studio there. Um, so I kind of had, you know, whoever happened to be taking the solo on it, because there's a lot of different instruments on there, but they're all kind of just mimicking uh, Grady, which is kind of a neat thing, I thought, that we, we threw in there. That I, I don't know if too many people caught that when they listened to it, but uh, just sort of a little, you know, it's a tribute to Marty, but it's also a tribute to just the whole, that whole style, I guess. When doing a cover like that, do you feel a lot of pressure to, like, get it right? Well, that's a, I mean, that's a big song. A lot of people know that song. So that one probably a little bit more than, than others. But um, I don't know. I try not to let it uh, bug me too much. I know some, for some reason people today are really, they can really get down on you for doing covers. 
and not you know only recording your own songs, um, which to me is kind of ridiculous uh, because anyone that knows their music history will know that you know a lot of guys that was their whole career. I mean, George Jones hardly ever wrote a song. He only ever did other people's stuff, and he was pitched songs by other people. And that kind of that's how a lot of those big uh, Nashville stars and country western people operated was they they were known as singers you know they weren't singer songwriters so they would just kind of do other people's stuff and, and I like to write too so I always want to throw in my own stuff and it's um it's important to me to have originals on there too but I, I never shy away from doing covers I, I usually have more fun playing other people's songs than my own to be honest <laughs> Um, I kind of I wanted to ask you about like your process when it comes to like writing and creating an album. Like, do you have like a pool of songs and then create a theme from there, or do you go into the process with a theme in mind and then kind of branch out from that? Um, kind of a little bit of both. Uh, typically, you know, I, I like um, I like I guess the past couple of records I've done have kind of been definitely a little bit more wanted to have more of a sort of overall theme or an overall kind of sound to them. So that certainly plays into, you know, which songs are going, are going to end up on the record and all that sort of deal. But, um, I mean, there's been other times too, where it's just kind of been like, well, what do I, what do I got right now? And, and what am I playing and, and what fits? So it's kind of a little bit of both, I guess. I want to throw a bit of a curveball in here and, and talk about the the Guardians of the Grasslands for a while. That was one topic I wanted to get to during this show. Tell us what yeah. your involvement is there and what what's going on with them. Well, the the folks putting that thing together uh, reached out to me a while back about um, possibly kind of helping promote that movie, and they sent me a sent me like a little link to where I could go watch it, a private link, I guess you call it. And um, I watched the deal, and at the time I was kind of learning a lot about, um, well, just a lot about uh, cannabis grasslands and, and and reading a lot of different articles that were sort of right on par with what this uh, documentary talks about. And, and you know, I'm, I mean, something that I've noticed as of recently is that in Canada and the States and kind of just all over is uh, a lot of people, whether, you know, it's political or whatever, um, kind of going after uh, the agriculture sector and, and people in agriculture. And uh, a lot of times it's just totally unfounded there, whatever kind of research they're claiming to do. And you can just tell that they don't really know what you're talking about, you know? And when, uh, whenever, um, whenever I was I was reached out to about this documentary, they they made it very really clear that kind of their main goal is to get this thing in front of a lot of uh, more of an urban audience, you know, because the people uh, people in the country they already know this this stuff and the and the science behind why we need to conserve our native grasslands and why you know ranching really isn't it's not ranchers aren't evil and they're not killing the planet they're actually pretty crucial. You know, and um, they were wanting to get that in in front of uh, city folks a little bit more, and and I thought, boy, that was if, if that if they could succeed in doing that, it would go a long way towards kind of getting a better understanding of of, of all this deal as far as you know supporting agriculture, but also as a collective, you know, um, just trying to help out with the environment and, and the way that everything's going, and, and it's just all about conservation, which is uh, 
which, you know, any any half-decent rancher or farmer or anyone that owns land will tell you that that's what the that's the whole deal is just be a good steward of the land and, and put that first before everything else. And, and you know, if, um, if other people in the population, whether it's in the States or Canada or anywhere, could get more of a grasp mm-hmm. on that, then and hopefully, uh, hopefully that would, um, it would go a long ways, I think, towards kind of, um, stopping everybody from being so divided. We live in a time where, you know, everybody's, kind of one way, really far one way or really far the other. I'd like to see some more people meeting in the middle and just kind of, you know, maybe seeing a little more eye to eye. So that was the deal with, that was the deal with that thing. And, and I was, I was glad to sort of help out. I, I just did a, a little bit of voiceover work for this promo that they put out uh, for the, for the movie. And then I'm, I'm also going to be kind of doing some other stuff just to help push the thing in, in Canada and, and, at these film festivals and stuff like that. Is is ranching and and is that in your future someday? Ideally, is that something you'd like to do uh, when you're not on on tour? Well, I've been working towards it. It's been a long term goal, and, and I've got a, a really small back home. I've got a small cow calf operation that's sort of being overlooked by some family and friends. Thankfully, since I'm not up there and, and don't get to be up there that often. And, um, we're, we're just sort of working towards to where we can, we can do that and I can be sort of base out of there, um, and, and have a, and have our own place. You know, we're, we're right now, we're just kind of renting pasture and we got a small herd, but, um, I'm, I've been looking for the right spot up there, uh, where it'll work out for myself and, and, you know, the, the partners that I got and other people like that. But, um, yeah, it's, that's been a goal of mine for many, many, many years, you know, and just uh, I've always thought if I could get to that point where I own some dirt and, and some livestock, I'll be I'll be happy, you know. I've got one one quick question about owning something and you so your dad owns uh your dad owns Wayland's nineteen seventy three caddy. Has he let you <laughs> drive it yet? <laughs> uh, I took it out for a spin whenever he first got it. because <laughs> uh, I was still uh kind of living uh, in Saskatchewan still at that point. So I got to take it out for a spin. And of course, you know, it's a, it's a gold uh, Del Dorado. So the thing's just a boat and it just, it just feels like you're floating driving the thing. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I got, to, I got to drive it. I'm, I, I couldn't believe he got it. He got it at auction and I figured he would get outbid because, you know, he's, he's, he's a uh, Mennonite. So he's pretty cheap. So I thought <laughs> he would get outbid. But uh, he didn't. He ended up getting it, and they, he somehow found a way to – because it was in Missouri, I think, so he somehow got it back across the border. and I don't know, somehow. But, um, yeah, it's pretty sweet. It's a pretty sweet car. I wanted to ask about kind of your rise to fame over the last few years. Like you've, I have friends back home who remember seeing you play bars in Saskatoon, Regina, and now you're playing sold-out yep. shows all over North America, and you have guys like Brock Lesnar and Jason Momoa in your corner. Like, Talk about what that process has been like. Well, it's been, I mean, the, the whole fame thing is something I never really aspired to or anything like that. And I, I wouldn't use that word to describe myself, but uh, I've definitely, definitely caught some breaks, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, a lot of it's just been being in the right place at the right time and, and kind of uh, 
you know, a lot of it's been just luck, to be honest. But of course, we, we've also myself and the people on my team, as far as management and all that, we we worked really hard at uh, um at this whole deal ever since I started, and uh, that's certainly been a factor in it too. But uh, but yeah, it's it's you never know who's going to listen to it. You know, that's been kind of the big thing the past little while. Is that you're just never quite sure who this song might find its way into somebody's ears and it could be could be anyone and uh, I've had a few of those where it's, you know, I'll get an email or something or someone will reach out saying hey this is you know so and so you know fill in the blank and you go wow you heard my song and you liked it you know that sort of thing it it's never ceases to surprise me but uh, it seems like I've had a lot of those and uh, and people that not only enjoyed it, but were willing to sort of share, you know, that's one of the, one of the things about um, social media that really helped me out is, you know, people with, with a big platform that have been willing to sort of share my stuff and put it out, whether they're actors, or, you know, wrestlers or whatever it might be. And that's gone a long way towards uh, kind of, you know, getting the, growing the listening or listenership and that, all that sort of deal. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I really don't know what to say about it. I always just say I'm, I'm glad that anybody listens to it and I'm glad that anybody likes it, you know. I remember hearing your hearing you for the first time. It was few. You've been like twenty or twenty one still, and I couldn't believe it. Like my buddy's like, "Yeah, this is this is Brad Wall's son." I'm like, "No shit!" Like I couldn't, <laughs> couldn't believe it. And it was it was pretty cool. <laughs> who? Uh, yeah, who? Thanks, man. Who's the most famous person to slide into your DM so far? <laughs> I had to. I'm sorry. Oh gosh, I don't know. Um, I don't even know how you would gauge that. I mean, I've gotten to. I got to meet uh, Momoa, who's who's a fan and a really good guy. He he's seems like he'd be a beauty to hang out he's, with. He's cool, man. He's he's probably the biggest uh, fame wise, and also the biggest size wise. <laughs> reached out. He's a giant, but yeah, he's he's a great big sweetheart. He's really been pushing my stuff. Really, ever since he heard it a few years ago, he heard one of my records and decided that he liked it. So he's he's been a really cool guy to sort of get to know. And I don't know him really well or anything, but I've met him a couple of times. Pretty down there, pretty good guy. You're. Uh, I want to talk about radio play and and kind of like people finding you. Is 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 the radio a super important thing anymore? Honestly, or when people find you through the different social channels and Spotify's and all that kind of thing, like. Is the radio even a big as big of a deal anymore? I, I I'm kind of curious. Like it still is super important in some circles, but but you're already one of the leaders in Canadian music. Honestly, it looks like right now, and 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 you don't really have that. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's kind of funny. I guess it. I guess I would say, and I'm no expert on any of this. <laughs> I should I should have prefaced that before <laughs> we started talking about anything. I don't know much of anything, but. Um, as far as I can tell, it seems like it probably depends on what what kind of music you're doing and what kind of artist it is or what kind of band, you know, and the type of music um, that you put out there. You know, I would imagine for people that do um, stuff that's a little more sort of in the mainstream and more, um, well, radio-friendly, I guess it's probably a bigger deal for them to get on these stations that sort of do more of the top 40 type stuff, but... People like me and, and a lot of friends of mine, uh, it, it's kind of 
like you say, it's not. It's certainly not as big as a factor now. There is a satellite radio, which which does play some of my stuff, some like Sirius and all that. There's a few stations on there where they'll they'll play some of my stuff, and that's kind of a different story. But even then, it kind of took them a while to catch on to it, you know. And they're kind of that way with a lot of artists too, where it's it's cool that they play them, but there's certainly there has to be a, a certain size following, I think, for those guys to even take notice in anyone, whether they're good or what, you know. So it's been, for me, it, it, radio hasn't entered into it too much. It's been more about, you know, word of mouth. The streaming thing is huge, too. And, and uh, we've, we've, um, we've managed to do all right with that whole deal. But a lot of it's just been kind of word of mouth. And people sharing with their friends or sharing on social media or whatever. And coming to shows and telling their buddies about it. Buying, buying the physical copies, which is that's something that we've seen go up. Uh, the past few years is just, you know, actual vinyl records and physical copies of albums kind of selling a little better than they used to. So that's been nice to see. It's been a big help. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I hope that answers your question. I don't know. Maybe it does. Maybe it does. Oh, I think it does. I, I was just curious about it because, like, there's, there's so many different avenues to find music nowadays. Like. Yeah. And, but, like, and, like, as far as you uh, and, and the financial success of it, the, the things you guys make, like, do the best at is, are the actual physical copies. The streaming doesn't really help you that much. Yeah, you know, our streaming numbers have been good and continue to go up, but um, they don't really make much of a dent, really, to be honest, just because of the way that that whole system's set up. It's it's kind of set up to where, you know, that you're only really going to see, uh, you're only going to see money if you're someone that's getting crazy numbers, you know, somebody that, ever, like a household name kind of person. So that's a whole other thing where it's it's really good for, you know, getting people to listen, but when they do listen, I'm not, you know, the artist doesn't really see much of that. The percentage is pretty low. And um, it's like that across the board as far as uh, whatever the service is, whether it's Spotify or Apple or whatever. They're all they're all kind of just set up that way. It's just how that whole thing works. But, um, uh, yeah, we, we probably make the most on on uh, merch sales as far as either from the website or well right now it's only from the website but you know when things go back to normal it's it's kind of you know at shows what people buy at shows is kind of what fills the gas tank for us and then we get of course we get paid to play and everything too but um, that's not as uh, it's not as um, uh, you know we can't control that as much as we can control how much we sell t-shirts for you know that sort of thing so yeah so, but luckily, you know, I think um, with the streaming and everything, a lot of people, there's been a lot of people that kind of have gone the other way with it where, you know, people like to be able to hold a record and, and read the liner notes and all that kind of stuff, you know. And I know I've been like that for a long time, and I think more and more young people are figuring that out. But, you know, it's real convenient to download something or stream something right on your phone. you got it right then and there at the touch of a, of a finger. But um, it's also really cool to have something that's more personal that you can hold and read and open it up and, and, and look at and all that sort of thing. It's, I think people are, are kind of yearning for that a little bit more. So that's, that's been, I guess that's maybe why folks are starting to buy more records uh, physically rather than just online. But, uh, I hope to see that continue too. It's pretty cool. Um, with, with your writing and performing these, like these kind of real authentic songs, about the prairies and, and Western and, and cowboy stuff. How do you kind of get in that mindset? Like, I know that you're uh, a big history guy. 
but do you need to be like living in a, as a cowboy to be able to write those songs or is it, you know, how, how do those come about? Well, I guess it, it depends on the song, you know, I, I've got, I've got some that are definitely more historical songs and some that are kind of just strictly historical songs. And that just comes from reading books and, and, and reading online about, uh, some of these, you know, a certain period of time really, or certain, uh, character in history or whatever. But, uh, you know, there's other ones that are, a lot of times the stuff about home comes from, uh, missing, missing home, you know, uh, because I've spent so much time away from it now, and it's kind of one of those deals where you don't you don't think about it how much you love it while you're there, you know, that kind of deal, which is just human nature, I guess, to be like that. But uh, and then there's other stuff like uh, you know, some of them are really autobiographical, especially on, on the last few records I've done. Like you guys brought up Hula Hands before, and that's that's pretty much you know just exactly how I was feeling on that day. We were, I don't know where we were, but it was on a tour somewhere. And, um, and you know, it was, it was funny. The first time I played that for Corb, he goes, man, I really like that song. We were at some kind of songwriter round deal. And he goes, but what's that called? I really like that. I said, oh, Corb, that's just my wannabe cowboy song. You know, all that is. But <laughs> that's sort of how it, how it, how it felt, you know, it was, uh, it was kind of like, it feels funny sometimes singing these songs when all you do is sit in the van all day. <laughs> um, and I always, I, I've been trying to make time, more time the past few years, even before the pandemic and everything, to really get that experience in. Uh, for one thing, because I, it's just something, it's just you know one of those things that I can't learn enough about. And I'd like to be able to, like I said, manage my own herd on my own land one day. So and it's important for me to know, but also for the songs, for the sake of the songs, you know, it's, it's, uh, you got to know that stuff if you're going to even try to write about it. And if you're going to sing about it, it certainly helps to um, know a thing or two. But yeah, I, I guess it's probably different for every song. You know, some of them are, some of them, I don't even know where they come from. They just kind of seem to fall out of the sky. And I don't even, I'll never understand how that works. <laughs> it's just, just kind of, sometimes they happen like that, you know? Uh, I want to talk, I want to ask you about cowpoke. So, being from Saskatchewan, it mentions uh, Douglas and Cheyenne. So how did it end up being about mm-hmm. Wyoming rather than some Canadian towns? Or do you, are you going to switch it up depending on where you are? Uh, no, I mean, I've always sung it that way. That's just how I heard it. You know, that's an old Stan Jones song. That Stan Jones, he wrote, um, he wrote uh, a lot of songs that were kind of for Western movies back in the day, but he was a bit of a, bit of a puncher himself. He wrote... Um, uh, Ghost Riders in the Sky was probably the most popular song that he wrote. But he also wrote that song, and I've always loved it. You know, there's there's a lot of different versions of it. And I've heard guys sing different uh, different cities in there. The first version I heard was, was Cheyenne to Douglas. Um, so I kind of always just got in the habit of singing it that way. But yeah, that's a great song. I was, I was pretty glad to get to put that one on the record. I've always liked that one. Good waltz. Do you have a song in your catalog that you don't like to play? Oh, tons of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, the new stuff is always the stuff you're most excited about, and I think that's probably pretty common for songwriters. Most people I talk to, that friends of mine or whatever, people that write, there's a saying that you're only as good as your newest song. And I don't know if that's true, but those are certainly the ones that people are 
you know, there that's the one that you kind of really look forward to playing the most because it's fresh, you know, and it's it's just something new and you get to kind of throw something at the band. Maybe that night they're like, hey, let's try this new deal that we haven't tried before and it'll be fun. It just kind of, you know, keeps it fresh. But um, that's how it's always been for me. So whichever the most, you know, whichever the newest thing I got out is usually what I want to play more than others. And, and you know, there's also just uh, the older you get, everybody changes, right? Sometimes there's songs that I just, uh, there's songs I've written that, that um, I don't care to play as much. And I'll still play them, but I don't care to play them as much because I don't feel that way anymore, you know, that I did when I was when I was writing it, or or maybe it just musically it's not quite what I would what I would like to do, you know. But um, I try to I try to play. I always say I try to play at least a few, at least one or two songs from every record I put out when we do a live show, you know, just to, because people. You never know what the fans are listening to. Some days got some people that like the early stuff, some people that don't, some people that like the new stuff, some people like all of it. So I try to play a little bit from everything, and and obviously we kind of focus on whatever record we're pushing at the time, just for you know, because that's just kind of what works for us as far as what we're trying to sell the most. But I try to try to play a little bit from everything when we whenever we do have gigs. Um, you had a tweet recently about your brewery sessions videos that kind of tie into what you said about how you kind of don't feel that same way anymore. Just kind of touch on that a little bit. You know, that's more just a musical style. I think it's a, uh, so it's fun. Yeah. I never expected that. Uh, we did those in 2015, I think. And, uh, it was either 2014 or 2015 whenever I recorded those. And I, those guys over there, Henry West are awesome. They're, they're great. They're constantly sending beer and stuff. Did you have something else there? Uh, I was just going to ask how hard it is to play the kick drum with a guitar at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) It's easier than you might think. I mean, but I I guess I probably should say that because I know for a fact there were some gigs where I would get kind of, I kind of get tangled up between my foot and my, whatever my hands were doing, you know? So it's just like, it's just, it's like tapping your foot, you know, and kind of, once you get that rhythm in your, in your brain, kind of just fall into it. But, that being said, I don't think I could do it now because it's been so long since I've done it that I don't know if I could do it now. <laughs> I would probably struggle. Has there ever been a time during a live show where you've just completely forgot the lyrics to one of your songs? <laughs> like, what is that? What is that feeling oh, like? Yeah. <laughs> oh, of course, it's terrible. And all you know, we we play a pretty loose live show. It's like I don't, I don't ever really use a set list that often. I kind of like, I like it better just calling them in the air. Um, 
keeps everybody on their toes. And a lot of times with the set list, you kind of just get so used to the pattern of what songs go after what, and it sort of takes the fun out of it. And then, you know, a good crowd can tell when when the band's having fun. And I always want everybody to be having a good time. So we play we play a pretty loose show, but sometimes whatever it might be, you know, whether it's whether it's whiskey to blame or whether it's just you know you get whatever just a just a brain fart but uh yeah i've had plenty of those moments where you forget stuff all you can really do is laugh same thing with you know picking i'm not really a, i'm not the world's best guitar player by any stretch of the imagination and every once in a while you know you flub something and all you can do is all you can do is laugh about it and i got a real good crew of guys that we all have pretty good sense of humor so we we kind of just you know just that, that's the approach there. It's just, you know, if you mess up, there's no sense in really getting mad about it. You can be mad about it after the show, but during the show, you just got to sort of smile through it and try to pick up wherever you fell off. Well, most of the time, people probably wouldn't even notice anyways. Yeah, sometimes that happens. Sometimes people don't notice. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, more about, it's more of a personal thing where you're kind of kicking yourself, you know, whether whether or not anyone caught it, you know that it's messed up. So, all right. And I, I'm always my own worst critic, you know. Yeah. Um, what's on your rider? <laughs> That's always something interesting to hear. Our rider is, and so it sometimes, sometimes depending on where we're at, we'll change it. But our rider is uh, a box cores, whatever the biggest pack of cores you they can get, or sometimes two, uh, and. Usually it's either a bottle of Maker's Mark or a bottle of Four Roses, depending on what it happens to be that day. Everybody, pretty much everybody, like, it's sometimes, you know, it's hard to find a liquor that four different guys, or five different guys all can agree on. But everybody kind of likes bourbon. So it's usually either Maker's Mark or Four Roses or something kind of in that price range. And, uh, and I don't know, it, uh, Chips and M and M's. That's kind of kind of about it. Sometimes, sometimes not even. And water, you know. But it's kind of that's that's our rider usually. Have you came across like any other artists with like an absolutely crazy rider? Like, what's the craziest thing you've seen people ask for or heard of people asking for in a rider? I don't know. I don't know if I can remember any because you know what? I, I mean, I spent a lot of time opening up for other people, and a lot of those games were solo, so I, I really didn't have a rider. It was a long time before I got to a place where I could even really have a rider. Um, but uh, I don't know if I can remember any off the bat. It is, it's funny, um, depending on, you know, festivals are funny because they, they'll fill out your rider, but sometimes they just kind of fill your room or your, your whatever, this trailer or whatever, full of just whatever they got at the festival. So you ever, you know, we might be playing some festival in Norway or something and you're not really... You don't really know what anything is, <laughs> you know. It's hard to find yeah, cars in yeah, Norway. Exactly. <laughs> they try. They, they're, I mean, the the folks over there in Europe they're usually pretty good, but uh, you know, sometimes it's like you go to open the what you think is going to be a bag of chips, but it turns out to be something else entirely. You know, but that's we've had a few funny moments like that. But uh, I don't know. I guess I don't think I've seen anything too crazy. Just most of the most of the uh, other bands and artists that we kind of end up surrounding ourselves with, whether we're opening or whether they're the headliner or what, they're usually pretty pretty uh, 
low maintenance, you know. So uh, I guess that's probably a good thing. Let, let's talk about the uh, the guys in the band too. I feel like those guys probably don't get a lot of credit sometimes when they maybe, you know, they just they're some of them sometimes they're kind of in the background a bit. But let, let's give you a chance to talk about those guys a bit. Well, it's been you know I've had a few different iterations of the band, uh, but I've had mostly the same same guys over the course of the past uh, two or three years now. They've kind of all been the same dudes with the exception of I've had the drummer has kind of been a revolving door, which I had a lot of jokes about drummers. And that's why, because I've gone, I've gone through a few of them. But uh, for the most part, it's been the same guy. So my bass player has been with me since day one. He's, his name's Jason Simpson. And he's kind of a long haired, goofy dude. Uh, plays an old, plays an old Fender bass. Uh, he's been playing with me through every year since I started playing with the band. He was with the original band, or he's he's with me now. And just he's like a leech; I can't get rid of him. But uh, um, <laughs> the other guys, uh, uh, he plays steel and dobro mostly at our live set. But he uh, he plays anything. His name's Pat Lyons. He, he's my steel player, but he's kind of he can play anything with strings on it. Really, he's just one of those people that's kind of a utility nut kind of player. He can play just about anything, and he does. He plays a lot of stuff on the record. He plays a lot of different instruments on the new album. Um, we're talking about Big Iron and, and you know, trying to sound like Grady Martin. He does a, a lot of that lead stuff is him. In fact, I'd say probably about 90% of that lead stuff is him just playing, you know, whether it's electric guitar, acoustic guitar, mandolin, uh, pedal steel, dobro, you name it. You know, he, he, he knows it. Um, so he's a guy I like to have around, obviously. He's, he's kind of a... Uh, a pretty pretty handy guy to have in your back pocket as far as lead playing. Um, no, I've got a guy that plays harmonica for me, which has always been something I've wanted. You know, um, you listen to a lot of country albums from the '60s and '70s. There's always a kind of a lead harmonica guy, which somewhere along the way, I guess in the '80s and '90s, kind of fell out of style. But uh, you know, guys like Mickey Raphael, who's been a Willie's harmonica player for all those years, or Charlie McCoy, who played on a lot of great um, albums there in Nashville. He's kind of one of those big studio guys, great harmonica player. Um, and I found this guy, his name's Jake Groves. He, uh, he's from uh, Louisville, Kentucky, and he's kind of a student of all those old harmonica players, and, and the blues guys, too. He, really, he's, he can play it all. He can do this more country stuff and the blues stuff. He's a, he's a really good dude to get along. So he, he's a harmonica player and he'll, he can play a, a bunch of different instruments too, but he mostly stays on the harp. And then, um, yeah, the, I've had a few different drummers and my last, my last drummer who played the album, he quit on me right before, uh, right before the pandemic. So we were kind of hunting up, you know, we were hunting up the new drummer. And uh, I did end up finding a guy out in Texas, but we never got to we never got to actually play any gigs together just because everything got canceled right around that time. Uh, so like, we're just going to see whenever things get back to normal here. I guess what happens, but uh, but yeah, drummers are really all the same though. <laughs> they're, just, they're all different versions of the same person. What uh, what are you most proud of on your on your latest record here? I wanted to get I wanted to ask you that before we finished oh, up. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I really liked uh, getting to produce it. This is the first full length album that I 
produce myself. And of course, you don't say that, but we had a, the whole band was there, and I had some friends there. And it was kind of like, it's kind of one of those things where everybody had their input and everybody kind of got to voice their opinion, no matter whether we were doing overdubs or whether we were just, you know, cutting stuff live. Everybody was kind of chiming in, which I like to have, you know, I think it's a certain opinions, but uh, it was the first time when there wasn't really an actual producer in the room, and I kind of got to wear that hat, you know, and that was a lot of fun. Um, I've had a chance, I've had the chance to work with some, some really good producers and, and, uh, and kind of steal some tricks and, you know, figure out some things for myself, so it's something that I wanted to do with this uh, most recent album, and I'm really glad it worked out. Uh, because it, was, it, it never felt like I was really doing much, you know, <laughs> a matter of knowing whatever it is we were going after and, and knowing what we wanted to do and making sort of a few a few big decisions, but mostly just kind of letting everybody have fun was sort of my uh, approach to producing was, hey, let's just let's not worry too much about this and, and just sort of goop around and, and we'll see what how it sounds on tape, you know. And... Uh, that was really cool. I'm, I'm really glad I got to do that. I think I'll probably, probably do that some more here in the future whenever we get back in the studio to work on the next deal, whether it's you know a, a singles or a record or whatever. I'd like to continue to try to uh, produce stuff myself. I had a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, so uh, you've talked about your dad a few times on this podcast, and, and for those of our listeners who don't know, like you're, he's one of the most polarizing figures in Canadian politics that we've seen. And is the most well known, well, well, well known and like well appreciated people like him. Like him. Yeah. Sure as heck like him out West. Oh, and like oh, I, yeah. I, I voted for him when I was still living back <laughs> home. Like he, he, I think he's great. Um, I just want to ask about like, what was it like growing up in like a, I guess a political household or with a your father such as your dad? Well, it was, uh, you know, it's fun. it was never an issue between me and, and the old man. There was never, we didn't really have any problems, uh, but it was more, an issue with other folks, you know, and, uh, and, and, you know, there's, he was well liked, but there's sure a lot of people there that didn't care for him either. And, and I got to hear from a lot of those people a lot of times. So it was kind of a weird, it was just a weird thing growing up like that where, you know, thankfully we, we, uh, I still grew up and, and uh, the current, a lot of people were kind of, I think, Sort of maybe pressuring dad to move to Regina there to be in the capital, but we you know where the legislative building is and all that. But he, he never did. He didn't want to leave. You know, that's, he grew up in the southwest part of the province and he grew up loving it. He grew up loving the county, he grew up in the little speed creek there. So, so he didn't, he kind of just would make the commute. That's one thing I always am real grateful for because uh, I don't know what kind of person I would have been if I hadn't grown up where I did, you know. So, um, I was so grateful for that, but yeah, it, it was, there was times where they get really frustrated about it and you kind of think, God, you know, why, why couldn't you, why couldn't you have had any other job, <laughs> you know? But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but it definitely gave me an interesting perspective on politics, which is um, kind of coming to play a lot right now, you know, being an election, election year and all that. And, uh, and you know every, everything is just so goddamn crazy right now. But um, <laughs> I definitely, you know, I learned to have thick skin, which was one good thing that came out of it. Because boy, there, especially whenever I first started to get into music, there was a lot of people that had some not so nice things to say, and uh, you know, you learn to kind of let that crap bounce off of you. 
that was good. Um, but also, you know, it was it's, it's, it's given me kind of this, I think, a pretty interesting political perspective uh, where, you know, I, I like always like a, kind of maintain the mentality of, uh, you know, you don't, there's, there's people out there that really treat politics like a sport, you know. I feel like where it's kind of like this is my team and that's your team, that's your my team and you cheer for yours, you know. And we will, this is, these are our colors and these are yours. And, and why do you and why do you vote that way? Well, because that's what that is. That's what we've always done. One. And um, I kind of subscribe more to um, common sense and common decency over whatever you know political parties or political ideologies that tell you to think. Telling people what to do and what to think, you know, I, I'm always been kind of one. Well, I don't really care what's left or what's right. I just, I, I'd like to think that it's more just about whatever the issue is. It's just the common sense thing here and, and you know, that kind of deal. I, and I don't know if I would have had if I had kind of brought up the way it is. So I'm grateful for that too. But yeah, it was weird. It was, it was an odd thing. And, um, you know, I've always said, Kind of made me really particular about the wanting to do stuff on my own, wanting really not to have any help from mom and dad. My, my folks are great, great people, and, and they have been my whole life. And they've kind of always, they've always been really supportive, but uh, you know, I, I kind of because of that being in politics and being in the public eye for so long, it kind of put me in a position where I didn't want to, I didn't want no help from nobody. So I just wanted to be able to. So I do it on myself, and I think that's that's a really healthy. I think it's a healthy uh, way to approach life too. I'm not, you know, out of pride or anything like that. Just a principle more. All right, all right, Coulter. So we ask every guest on the show this question: What is your definition of cowboy shit? Right. So my disclaimer before I answer this question is that I don't, you know, I don't have any illusions about being a cowboy. I would never call myself one. I never have. Like is not never will, but I am someone that's done a little bit of work uh, on on a few different ranches in the states and then back home in Canada, and um, you know I've, I've done done some of that work, horses and cattle, and I, and I've done a feedlot deal too, and and uh, and I've been really lucky to kind of spend some time learning from some guys that I would consider the real deal, you know, top hands and, and that kind of thing, and I think. Um, I think uh, sometimes I guess sometimes the most uh, the most cowboy shit you can do is, is to know when to not be cowboy and everything you know and what the situation calls for but just because it's all it's all so situational every day there's something different and sometimes it pays to be uh, you know really kind of maybe you're chasing stuff around or maybe you got to mash on cattle or maybe you got to be roping or whatever but other times, you know, knowing when it pays to do that and knowing when it pays to, you know, let's be quiet and let's be slow and let's not teach anybody bad habits here. And, and you know, really, really putting the, the livestock and the land before the whole, you know, there's a lot of, uh, I know there's a lot of tradition there and there kind of sometimes there's an ego that gets involved in this. But I think sometimes, you know, the, the best thing that a guy could do is, it just know those when you know what the situation calls for, and know when to kind of peel back off the, the cowboy deal a little bit for the sake of 
you know, what's our main goal and, and how are we going to go about doing it? Thanks for, uh, thanks for that Coulter. I like, I like it. You know, it's, just, it's, it's cool. You get to sing about cowboy shit and you know, I'm surprised you wouldn't call yourself a cowboy though. Cause you're still doing, I think you still are doing cowboy shit and you're doing more cowboy shit than a lot of people right now. We've working on the ranches and whatnot. So I, I, uh, I, I think always preface everything with, look, I'm, I'm green because I got, I got, I didn't get into it till later in life. You know, I, I grew up in town and I didn't really get into it till I, I had a, uh, I, I, my first deal was working the feedlot and I got, I was lucky to get that job. It was kind of one thing that my cousin was working there and he sort of helped me get that job. And that's sort of when I got the, the bug, you know, that's kind of when I got interested in, in working with livestock. So, but I've always, you know, always trying to learn and, and figure shit out because I'm, I'll be the first to say I'm, I'm not, I'm not a great horseman and I'm, I'm not uh, even really a great stockman, but I, I got a passion for it and it's something that I, that I care about, you know, so it's something that I hope to be able to do and to learn more about it until I'm in the ground, you know. I, uh, I had one more question that I just remembered about. I wanted to ask about, about your, the influences, the influence on your hats that you wear. They're diff- They're not quite, they're just, they're different than the, than the style we see on a lot of guys. Where, where do you get your influence on your hats? It seems like it's, Part of it is a bit of a historical thing. I wanted to get your take on that. Well, it, that's also been kind of a thing where I've it's been kind of like getting to know myself, you know. And uh, I've gone through a few different styles as far as the crowns and brims and stuff, and, and just figuring out what I like. Um, you know, whenever I first started out, uh, I kind of just was. I mean, I'm a huge. I grew up listening to Waylon. So when I first started out, I was always looking for that kind of open crown, or not open crown, but. Uh, uh, you know, kind of circle crown, uh, Waylon sort of the sort of hat that he would wear all the time back in the seventies. And it took me a few years before I figured, like, hey, I should maybe try to um, kind of have my own style here <laughs> instead of uh, just ripping off Waylon because a lot of people do that <laughs> musically and stylistically, you know. And uh, so as as time went by, I kind of tried a few different things out as far as you know different crowns, and I met the uh, uh, gal that makes my hats. She's out of Oregon. Her name's Kate Abstead, and, and she makes uh, she makes a lot of hats for musicians. But she's also a bit of a cowgirl herself, so she makes some really pretty cool, punchy looking hats too, and, and some you know some buckaroo stuff. She does a lot of the flat hat deal too. And um, I kind of talked her through this. My most recent one is probably the one I like best, and it's kind of just a it's a big black kind of wide cattleman, and uh, it's kind it definitely feels. Uh, it definitely feels like my hat more than any other one that I've worn. So, but that's been kind of a fun thing too, is just you know figuring out, uh, figuring out your own kind of style. You know, I, I'm glad to get the take on it. I was I was curious about it because everybody's got their own shape. It mm-hmm. kind of it can define a person a little bit. So I, it's interesting to know. Yeah, well, I'm also the kind of guy that I, the one thing I've figured out, and the more that I've gotten to actually do a little work in hats, is you know. I like to, I think the, the character of the hat comes from what you're doing when you're wearing it and how old it is. And, and you know, you, you can always tell, when <laughs> I think you can tell pretty quick when, you know, like you can look at a guy and go, well, that dude's used that hat for sorting and he's throwing that thing at cows. And, you know, you can tell. And, and I think that's, that's where <laughs> yeah. a lot of the uh, character comes from. So I've been kind of, I like to shape them a little bit myself and, and kind of, you know, uh, you know, as far as the creases and stuff go, I kind of know where I want it as far as how deep I want the crease to be on the crown or, you know, the top of that cattleman crease. I know exactly kind of how wide I want it to be and all that sort of stuff. 
Well, his new record, Western Swing and Waltzes and Other Punchy Songs, is out now wherever you get your music. Make sure to follow him on the social media and check him out on his, we- check him out on his website. Get your merch at colterwall.com. Thanks again for being on the show. We really appreciate you doing this, Coulter. We hope to see you back on the road soon, man. Yeah, hope to see you at some shows here and get back uh, back to the homeland soon, too. Whenever things maybe get a little more back to normal, I'm certainly looking forward to it. And I appreciate you guys having me on here. I'm sorry about uh, the quality of the, the audio here, just, just talking to you on the phone, but uh, I'm, I'm glad you oh, guys no had worries. me on. I really do appreciate it. No worries. We'll do better. We'll we'll get her better next time when we get you get you in person here sometime. We'll be great. So yeah, thanks for yeah, making this work good. for us. This was awesome. Thanks for time. Man. Yeah, you bet. Welcome back. This is episode number 77, Cowboy Shit, Ted and Wasey. I'm Ted. He's Wasey. Thanks again to our guest, Coulter Wall's new record, Western Swing and Waltzes and Other Punchy Songs, now available wherever you get your music. Check them out on the social medias or at colterwall.com. Buy you some merch, some vinyl records, whatever you're into. Man, that'd be Maybe a CD. That was really cool. You like it's it? It's cool to talk to... Like obviously, growing up in Saskatchewan, I know who Brad Wall is, and like yeah, then to see like growing up and if you've been a resident of Western Canada yeah. the last ten years, you know who Brad exactly. Wall is. exactly, and then like to see like a guy like Coulter have so much success, like being from Saskatchewan, he's a small town guy, have that blow up and have that like really big success in the music industry is pretty cool to chat with them. I think uh, my favorite question was about asking him about how many darts he smoked <laughs> at the Swift Current Composite yeah. High School. I, I like hearing about riders too, like that question, like when we talked about comprehensive. My bad. Something like I that. guess Storm. He probably like went to school with that fellow. Maybe. Don't he's he's he because you're my age, right? Twenty seven. He's twenty five. Yeah, probably at some point. Yeah, your sister Storm's sister's a big fan. Maybe of Storm had a crush world. on him. I think Storm's Ugh. sister. Storm's sister. Scandalous. Storm's sister. Uh, she had a really big Cheyenne, a really big crush on Coulter Wall. Oh damn! Just saying. Scandalous. Just. Saying. <laughs> She's also a singer. So. <laughs> oh shit! Oh. I could do a duet. Oh maybe. The nice. Old, the old Swift Current boogie. <laughs> <laughs> the Spooty Creek jig. <laughs> <laughs> The Herbert Hustle. <laughs> the Gull Lake Boogie. <laughs> we already used Boogie. Can't use Boogie. You boogie on it, yeah. Fuck it. This is a Swift Current Boogie. That's the first one. The Wood Mountain Hoedown. Ooh, that's a good one. What else would you do? The uh, the Hodgeville Hoot Nanny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Man, there's a new song title for it. The Hodgeville Hoot Nanny. Man, imagine that. That's unreal. Oh, what else do you got? I want the royalties Regina, on that one, Coulter. The Regina, the Regina River Dance. No, that's no, different. That that's not sucks. a song, that is sucks, it? Man. What about Saskatoon? Saskatoon Shuffle. Yeah, that's yeah, that'll work. <laughs> well, there's got to be something for like elbow, the elbow 
something. I don't know, man. I, I think I'm, I don't, I, I don't know that many dances. Out. Yeah, me neither. Or, or songs. Nah. The Estevan Waltz. No. We need to go. Don't we need to go to like have like inspiration for this? Is Pazzer's Pub? <laughs> I was gonna say that the like the Regina ribs. That would really just get us like go like creative or the, juices flowing. The rock. There's Rockland ribs or the Regina Bone ribs. In. If you're going to if you're going to Pazzer's, get the Regina. Do yourself a favor. Get the Regina ribs. Nothing against Rockland. That's, that's no, where like, my dad grew up. No, so but legit, the, but. the Regina ribs. Ten out of ten. That's see. I prefer like bone in or bone out. Dry ribs. Those ribs were like bone, bone in. Dry yeah. ribs are fucking trash. I don't care what you say. Like they're brutal. They gotta be cooked just right, and nah, they not. No matter very, what, they suck. It's very often that they're not cooked correctly. <laughs> There's never any meat on them. They're just like yeah, you're ba- just like eating like pe- like just like getting really close to the bone and just like <laughs> eating the skin. It fucking sucks. Hate them. <laughs> oh man, where are we going with this? What was our point? I have okay. I have a really a burning oh, question that man. we want to talk about. PBR World Finals too. I forgot about oh, that yeah. next weekend. Bull by riding. the way, bull riding. Yeah, we talk about that sometimes now, but not very often. So it's the same weekend as Grand Prairie. Weekend after. Okay. Yeah. So well, I guess we could do a round of predictions for that. Uh, Leme, Leme, Leme. Call it good. See ya. Yeah, I think so, man. Okay, I right like. <laughs> I don't like, man. Do you think like Jr. has it in him to fucking make a move or what? Ah, uh, he's pretty old, man. You know what's been really impressive though is JB like coming back and yeah. getting it done. That's and really cool, dude. Yeah, proving the haters. Hell wrong. yeah, I'd like yeah, to see that. Good for him. That's true. Okay, to your question. So my burning question. It's really important. <laughs> it's really important. What's like the most like random slash like weird compliment that you've received in your life? I have two. There's one that's coming to mind, but I'm not placing what it was right now. So I think you better start okay. because I don't know. So I'll, I'll say my first one, and then if you think of one, you can go, yeah, and I'll say okay. the second one. But I have two that are really strange. My, so the first, jog my memory here. The first one that I have, I was I was dancing with a girl. I think I was drinking Snapeed or something, and she's like, you had a really strong back, eh? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, what? Oh. She's like, yeah, like, your back just like, it feels really strong. I'm like. So yeah, thanks. I guess. Thanks. That's sweet. Thanks. Like, okay, right on. I uh, yeah, strong back. Uh, <laughs> sick. Yeah, I'm a farm. I'm, I grew up on a farm. Ma'am. Yeah, I grew up on a farm, lifting stuff with proper lifting form, <laughs> not my back. <laughs> <laughs> so that definitely was a, a weird. Oh one. wow! And then wow. another one. I just, think I'll just keep going here. Speaking, or of, you got speaking of body parts, somebody told me I had nice calves one time. That's a that's a good compliment. It's a good compliment. I, I like to hear that. I was like, man, your calves are looking good. Like, and I was like, yeah, I was a goalie. Someone told me like this summer I got that. I was like biking and like, wait, like your calves are looking tight. I'm like, fucking right. <laughs> so I've been pedaling all summer, dude. Oh <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, that was probably an odd one though. Was the calf thing because it's not. Something it's a random compliment. Yeah, it's like oh oh, this person must be really checking me out. All right. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, it's, I like that. That's good. <laughs> um, another one that I received. It's like, like as you can see, I have like pretty hairy arms and wrists and then yeah. this, this just she was like was it another bird on the dance floor at ranchman no i just i think i was up, i was like sitting at a bar somewhere with like some buddies and probably ranch with us and uh <laughs> like like i really like like your hairy wrists i'm like i really like your hairy wrists yeah, are you like, kidding me like like yeah it's just like super manly i'm like what in all right what like what it, like what it like of all the things you can compliment it's like yeah your hairy wrists like i like that shit is she trying to weird you out or something <laughs> i don't know man I, were I you getting pranked genuine. and you just didn't know it i don't know i, was a, I took it as a compliment so whatever it's weird a, it's weird it's for sure it's weird i had a funny one the other day my hands been really dried out and chafed from all the fucking hand sanitizer and all this garbage mm-hmm. and storm was like oh your hands are feeling really manly lately and i felt like a little bit of a bitch because my hands are usually pretty soft the keyboard hands. between of all the people that i know <laughs> in my life you and preston have the softest hands we we do the least amount of physical labor these days. It'd be days. so weird to like, like, what does it feel like when you guys shake hands? 
Preston and I? Yeah. Does it feel weird? I haven't shook his hand in a long time, you know, because of the Rona. So I couldn't tell you. Yeah, it's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Man, I don't weird. know what else. I feel like there's another one, but I forget what it is right now. It's just not it's fine. coming to my mind. It's fine. I, I just something I my mind randomly, is, randomly feels like of. my mind is bottled right now. It's, really mind, it's, it's like when your mind's in a bottle. Uh, moving on, what else we got? PBR finals, like we talked about, Leme. Heading into the holidays. Heading kind of the dog days of Winter. our industry. Yeah. What's going on? So. Yeah. Well, I have, I have a good question. Okay. How do you feel about eggnog? Where are you at with that? Oh, man. I'm like a one glass of eggnog per season. Yeah, guy. I fucking love eggnog, dude. You do? Oh, dude. I love it. It's I can, so like, good. You know where I got down with it last year was Friends Miss. We should talk Friends Miss for a while. Just, just man, you just, man, you throw some, some rum in there, go some festive nogs. Yeah. Like, I can crush eggnog. I did really it's enjoy so the nog. That was the first time I had had it in, with the rum, like yeah, the rum yeah. and eggnog thing. Ugh. It was very good. It's a tasty treat. Tasty oh, holiday man. treat. Very, I got pretty messed up on the rum and nogs. Oh, man. It's already out too. Like I was like, it's been out for like three or four oh, yeah. weeks already. They don't fuck around with the eggnog. Jeez. What's your favorite holiday treat? Yeah, holiday treat or like favorite Christmas dinner item? I like the toffee. Those things are really tasty. Oh treat man, those are tight. I yeah. like those. Hell yeah, They're very good. I'm a big fan of turtles. I can dust a box of turtles. That's not really like Christmas though. That's just like you get turtles. I just anytime. see them. You at associate Christmas it with they Christmas. Like, they really pump them up at Christmas. Mm-hmm. The turtles. Man, I fucking love Christmas. Like the Christmas whimsy and <laughs> shit. Like I live for that. Like I love winter up until Christmas, then I hate it. Then you're done. Like January, yeah. like December 26th. I love just bumping like Mariah Carey, <laughs> fucking Michael Buble, <laughs> and then watching Christmas films, and yeah. then just like basking. And like the city's really cool. And, and then like zoo lights with like three to five dates. <laughs> well, hopefully that changes this year, but <laughs> yeah, zoo lights are sick. <laughs> I want to go to like one of the Christmas markets this year. Oh yeah, yeah. We could do some cowboy shit at a Christmas market. Maybe with a yeah. new sweater we're working on. Maybe by now we'll have it later. We don't know yet. Don't say something don't, might be nothing. happening. I don't know. We're not gonna go into deep, but anyways, okay. fuck yeah, Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite Christmas song? Oh, I you know the one that stands up the most that I hate is the hippopotamus one because it just gets fucking drilled into your into your brain. Man, six white boomers is the best. <laughs> I fucking love. I love. I don't get me wrong. I like. Um, all I want for Christmas is you. For you, is you is a fucking ba- like straight heat. Yeah, but six white is that boomers. You, is that what you slide into the DM, DMs with on on the when you're meeting birds during Halloween? Hey, the song's for you. It comes with a ticket to <laughs> for Christmas. Hey, this song. It's an this e, song's it's for a, you. It's an evite. I just send them an evite and it pops out and it's like I don't want to for Christmas. And, it's, and, and it comes like with a with two tickets to the zoo lights. One free pass to the zoo lights. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Christmas. But yeah, Six White Boomers stands alone as the best Christmas song. It's quite good. Mummy. Where's my mummy? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm losing my mind. We better call it good. Yeah, it's good. Thanks for listening. Uh, remember, check out cowboyshit.ca. Get your check merch. Out, Christmas is coming. Check out the merch. Christmas is coming. Get yourself a gift. Uh, we ship world. We ship worldwide. Miss Worldwide. We've shipped stuff to uh, Australia land so far and America, a few different states, much of Canada. And yeah, check us out if you're from anywhere else. Um, what else? We're in like 18 oh, stores. Oh, I have now. something. Um, Plus some more stuff. We've been getting 18. lots of like like pictures of people like wearing cowboy shit merch and stuff. Like yeah. keep sending that to us. That's sweet. Like we love seeing yeah, you guys do doing it. cowboy shit with your cowboy shit stuff on. So keep it. sending it. We'll get you up on the account. Yeah. Rock on. It'll Fe- be sick. Give you some features. Yeah. So. Thanks again for listening. This has been Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacy. Thanks again to our guest, Coulter Wall. Uh, thanks to his dad, Brad, for hooking us up. I slid into his DMs and he hooked me up with Coulter. So. Thanks, Mr. Wall, for getting us connected. And uh, and thanks for being on the show again, Coulter. Check him out again, coulterwall.com. 
his new tunes, new record, Western Swing and Waltzes. One of those tracks right here. Thanks, Wace. See you all next time. To the town of our field, old stranger one finally. Hardly spoke folks around him, didn't have too much to say. No one there to ask his business, no one there to make a slip. Stranger there among them had a big iron on his hip. Big iron on his hip. It was early in the morning when he rode into the town. Came riding from the south side, slowly looking all around. He's an outlaw, loose and running, came to whisper from each lip. And he's here to do some business with the big iron on his hip. The big iron on his hip. In this town, and live an outlaw by the name of Texas Red. Many men that tried to take him and that many men were dead He was vicious and a killer though a youth of 24 And the notches on his pistol numbered one and nineteen more One and nineteen more Now the strangers started talking made it plain folks around was an Arizona ranger, wouldn't be too long in town. He came here to take an outlaw back to life, or maybe dead. And he said it didn't matter, he was after Texas Red. After Texas Red. Wasn't long before the story was relayed to Texas Red. But the outlaw didn't worry, men that tried before were dead. Twenty men that tried to take him, twenty men that made a slip. Twenty-one would be the ranger with the big iron on his hip.